You're listening to the Brand Interrupted Podcast, a space dedicated to inspire, teach, and heal through the power of story, resilience, and vulnerability. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Brittany Hammond, filmmaker, personal brand strategist, and the founder of Untamed Lifestyle and Business. Each week, I'll be bringing to you guest entrepreneurs, artists, authors, speakers, and influencers, and a series of real, raw, and unfiltered conversations around the courage to be yourself, the audacity to embrace your life and business, and how to speak your truth. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brand Interrupted Podcast. Today, we have Beth Joy with us. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive into your story. You have so much to share. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, too. So tell us a little bit about, I always like to give people a little bit of a backstory. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on right now. I know you're kind of in the beginning phases of starting a business, blog. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I am a mom of six kids. I live in Detroit, Michigan with my wonderful husband and our fur baby and all these little monsters. Um, (laughs) I am definitely in the uh, beginning phases of launching a new business. Uh, I want to help um, other women to be able to transform the way that their lives feel. Um, I really feel like that is like the most the most important part of the day-to-day um, thing. You know, you don't necessarily need things. You need to feel awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What kind of led you on this journey? Like, how did you get to the idea of, like, I want to start a business and I want to help other women? Um, my coach actually helped point out to me that this was kind of the direction that I was heading in, like, um, about a year ago. I was struggling with some pretty gnarly uh, postpartum depression and I really didn't feel like I was myself anymore. I didn't know who, who that was um, anymore. I was really, I just didn't feel good. I didn't ever want to get out of bed. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to do anything. Nothing excited me. Um, so I reached out for help. Um, and then, you know, it, you always hear that saying that, um, when the student is ready, the teacher appears Mm -hmm. and that was totally, totally what happened. I found an amazing coach and she had an offer that I was able to participate in and everything just started shifting and transforming from there. Wow. Is this Jennifer or someone? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I found Jennifer on a podcast actually. So yeah, it was last spring. And I think that was like the fastest decision that I ever had made to like work with someone. And I say fast, I mean, it took a few months, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's amazing. What was it? Okay. Tell, just to give our audience an idea. So you have six kids. What are their general, like what are their age ranges? Um, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old son, a 3-year-old son, and an almost 2-year-old daughter. 
Um, and then I got two bonus kids um, from my husband's previous relationship. Uh, they're both girls and they are um, 13 and 10. Wow. That is a <laughs> full house. <laughs> yes. yes. Never boring. <laughs> never boring. That's amazing. So I know there was one subject we kind of were talking about and we're like, do we talk about this or not? But that was really the thing that I think you were one of the first people when I was starting this podcast, because you're on one of the very first episodes here. And you were talking about domestic violence. I can't remember where I saw you were talking about it online. And I was like, I need to know, like, I want to hear more about this because I feel like this is something that can really help uh, women that are listening that like maybe experiencing the same thing and don't necessarily know how to find that strength within to get out of it. So if you're comfortable sharing um, a little bit about that, I don't know the details, so I'm going to be learning this <laughs> with the same time as the listeners. <laughs> sure. Um, so when I um, got pregnant with my, my first child, who's now 14, um, it's kind of in this, place in my life where I didn't believe that my my value and my worth was something that I was born with. I felt like it was something that I had to to earn or to gain from other people. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with, especially when they're younger. You know, I was 18 when I got pregnant with her. I was pretty young. Wow. And we you know where that came from like this um this having to like feel like you need to earn your worth um i think it had a lot to do i mean everybody everybody has something that they pick up in their childhood um no matter how amazing and loving their parents are where we limit ourselves from these things that we've that we've picked up. Um, and for me, um, it was that I always, no matter how good I did in whatever it was, no matter how amazing I was doing, it was that it could always be better. Mm. If I brought home, you know, an A, oh, it could have been an A plus, you know, that kind of, that kind of a thing. So I never felt like I quite, measured up. Mm. Yeah. So I was looking for, for love and acceptance from, from outside sources and, you know, like so many young girls in all of the wrong places. And because I didn't, (laughs) because I didn't believe in my own value, that was the kind of person that I attracted and I ended up with this guy who had some pretty gone through some pretty gnarly stuff in his past and had some pretty dark demons and he didn't believe in his self-worth either and in order for him to feel good about himself he really did a number on me and was a classic you know like narcissist and very controlling and 
I, I, you know, lost relationships with my friends and with my family and he would take all of my money and go blow it at the casino. (laughs) It was, uh, it wasn't a good situation. And so he wasn't actually the daughter my daughter's father, but he signed her birth certificate and over time time, you know, we were together for a couple of years and over time it really just, it escalated and escalated and everything that happened that he didn't like was somehow my fault. And, um, it was taken out on me to the point where he started being physically violent. Um, my front tooth is chipped (laughs) constant reminder of, um, when he put his hands on me and uh, it was a really hard way to live. You know, there was nothing that I could do that was going to make him happy or to fix the situation. And no matter how hard I tried, there wasn't anything, you know, it was beyond me. This was really not my responsibility. And so I decided that I was going to go, I was done. I was going to leave. And so I started packing up my things um, and we lived in an apartment with his aunt at the time. And so my daughter was out in the living room with his aunt and I was in our room and I was packing up my stuff and he came home, saw that I was packing up my things, and he lost it, grabbed the bags and like, I mean, they were just garbage bags, but like literally shredded them and yelling and screaming. And I just knew that, you know, (laughs) I was going to get hit or pushed or kicked or something. And as he's yelling and screaming, I just knew that there was nothing I could do. And if I said anything, it was only going to make it worse because there's nothing that I could say that he would be able to receive or to understand. Um, So I just sat down. And I just sat there. I didn't say anything. I just sat and I, and I listened. And I think that was the most calm that I am most peaceful that I had been in a long time because I just, I knew that it was almost over. I just needed to get through this. So I just sat there and I didn't say anything and I let him, you know, rant and rave and whatever. And then he decided he needed to leave to go get a cigarette and um, he left and I took that opportunity to jump out of the window. Uh, we were on the second story, so it's not, it wasn't too far. That's still um, pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I hung down off the windowsill and dropped like they taught us in uh, fire safety in school. <laughs> And uh, went to a neighbor's apartment and called the police. Wow. Um, So the police responded and my parents came and got me and my daughter. And we went through the whole, you know, restraining order and and all of that stuff. Um, And then I got to rebuild. Mm. I have a few. I didn't want to interject at any point, but I just have a few questions that um, I feel like it's so important, like even for the listeners. Um, yeah, go for it. I wanted to know, like, 
looking back on this now, did you see like warning signs in the beginning that like you didn't realize in the moment, but only in retrospect? Oh yeah. Yeah. There were definite, there were definite warning signs. Um, I think one of the most important warning signs was that he didn't ever want anything to do with any of my friends or family. Mm. He wasn't even willing to give them um, really the time of day. And he didn't, he wasn't necessarily like, I don't want you to see those people, but he definitely discouraged it. Um, And so that, that's a big part of it, you know, because once you've been separated from your support system, Mm. it's even easier for an abuser to keep you trapped in that cycle. Right. Yeah. You totally understand. I had a boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend. It's really hard to talk about because I, it's almost like, how do you label someone? Like, how do you define them in this way? But I know that he had been violent with me in the past And I didn't have like your typical warning signs. And so because I didn't have those, I just thought, well, he's not really violent. He just has a temper sometimes. Um, And I mean, I had times like where he like threw me out in the middle of the road or like pushed me down the stairs. And like, it still took me so long to like actually leave this person. And I didn't, leave them because they were violent because in my head I'm like well you know like their dad his dad was harsh on him and his brother so it's just his way of coping and I kind of like always justified it that way yeah and I think even to this day I'm like well it like is he abusive like you know I don't know if you had to like kind of go through this process too where you're like coming to terms with reality mm-hmm. of things Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is not even necessarily that that person themselves is a horrible person because I know that there are lots of people out there who have been violent toward a loved one and regret it, Mm -hmm. regret it horribly, you know, and it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person forever because you've done that, but it's a choice that you make. And if we don't take the time to really be honest with ourselves and work, do the inner work to, to kill those inner demons and to address those root causes that, that lead to this, that it, it just keeps, it just keeps escalating and it just keeps getting worse. You know, and we beat ourselves up and we beat other people up and, mm-hmm. You really have to, each individual person has to take that time to really honestly look at themselves and to address those issues. And I think that is one of the hardest things in the world to do is to really, really look at yourself honestly in the mirror because we're afraid of what we're going to find. Yeah, definitely. How do you, like, what's, what sort of became of that? Like, have you ever been in contact with him again? Is he technically your daughter's legal guardian? No, no. Thankfully we, um, 
I got a restraining order. Um, he did try to contact me not too long afterwards. I went to the police station to drop off um, a more complete statement. And he was walking down the street screaming my name. Oh, <laughs> it was horrifying. But it, luckily I was at the police station, so they were able to, um, you know, arrest him. And um, I, hadn't, I haven't seen him since. Um, we were able to go to court, and he was removed from my daughter's birth certificate because he wasn't actually her father. And uh, my husband was able to adopt her after we got married, so that was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but I haven't heard or um, heard from him or seen him since then, which was kind of kind of surprising to me, actually. But how long ago was that? <laughs> I'm sorry. How long ago would that have been? Um, close to 13 years ago. Wow. Yeah, she was just she was just a little little toddler baby when this all happened. Wow. So how do you think that you healed from that? Like what kind of, how did you move on? How did you heal from that? Um, I reached out, um, for help from my family. Um, I think that was the biggest, the biggest piece of it. And it was really hard because, I was afraid of how they would look at me and judge me because of the choices that I had made. Um, but I also knew that they love me no matter, no matter what. Um, very blessed to have family that is, um, I know that I know that I'm loved. I know that. And I know not everybody has that, but finding somebody, um, who can just give you a, a shoulder, be like, you know what? It's going to be okay. You messed up and you put yourself in a bad situation, but the best thing that you can do is to get really clear on what those warning signs were and how it made you feel to be in that space and to be trapped there. And just to remember that that's not somewhere you ever want to go again. So be proactive in not allowing myself to be victimized. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing, the most profound thing that you learned about yourself? Um, I think this is something that I'm still learning and finding, finding over and over. Um, <laughs> But one of the biggest things for me and my insecurity and how I give myself a sense of worth, how I fill my, you know, my cup of self-love is by my ability to take care of other people and to give them happiness. Mm. And that was the main the main, you know, void that I was trying to fill then. And though I haven't um, allowed myself to be victimized again in that way, I have certainly used other people's, you know, my perception of other people's happiness and my ability to take care of other people and to be, um, it's the word I'm looking for, 
recognized for uh, the things that I've done for others as a way for me to be like, yeah, you are really worth something. And I think I'm still discovering that. And as I keep going and, you know, evolving and, and learning, it becomes a lot easier to, for me to be able to recognize that cycle mm. and to, you know, disconnect from that and pull myself out of it because my self-worth is not, there's nothing that I have to do or be in order for me to be valuable and to be lovable. Yeah. Um, you know? Did you feel like over the past decade, like, did you ever, did you feel guilt over it? Like, is that kind of what you were working through? Kind of like, what, why has this happened to me? Like, how did I allow myself to be susceptible? Oh, yeah. That? Definitely. Definitely I, had some guilt for putting myself in that situation, especially because it wasn't just me. It was my daughter, too. You know, he never put his hands on her, but her even being around that kind of environment was not good for her at all. And that's not the example that I wanted to, you know, to set for her. It's really easy for us to say we want better things for our kids, but to do the inner work to actually be able to show them a genuine example and not just, you know, putting on a facade. Um, yeah. That's really challenging. Mm -hmm. And everything can be so, like everything can be so generational and passed down. I know like I had Michaela on here last week and um, she had a narcissistic partner and it was really interesting because, and I mean, you probably know this about me because I've talked about it like in our, in our program, but mm -hmm. um like overcoming emotional abuse. Like when I look back at my life, I'm like, Oh, that's why I attract people who don't respect my boundaries or, um, yeah, just aren't like the best have my best interests at heart. Yep. And I always thought, well, it's me, it's my fault because I'm not worth, like I'm worth less. I'm not worth anything. So, you know, and it, it's, I, it's like a lifelong process to really be able to identify these things and like flip them around. Right. And, um, and of course you probably know this from me speaking, but like I inherited this from my parents who then got it from their, their parents, my grandparents. Yep. And so it's really, I, mean, I don't have kids yet. Um, but it's like, I'm thinking like, it's so important that we really set that example for our kids. And I yeah, feel absolutely. like, I never learned about self-love or self-confidence growing up. I didn't even know what that was. And when I was first working with my coach, this was like probably three or four years ago, she kept talking about like, you have to increase your self-love. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. And so like, we kind of go through the sessions and I just push it to the side and not really acknowledge it until you kind of have, I don't know. I'm going to call it a breakdown moment. I don't think I, I don't feel like I had one rock bottom moment. I feel like I had a series of like yeah. bumps, kind of ups and downs. Um, but I think that's another thing we were talking about too. Like, you know, you don't have to have necessarily have um, this massive, like life threatening rock bottom to really catapult you into change. Right? No, you don't. You don't, but so many of us go through our lives 
on autopilot and we're not conscious, we're not paying attention to, we're not observing our thoughts and our emotions and using those as clues to find what's going on on those deeper levels, we get so caught up in particular situations and throwing judgment and blame around. And then that kind of blinds us from being able to look inside and to see what those inner triggers really are and where we need the healing. Because when we, when we're being judgmental um, and when we're complaining, complaining and and, and blaming other people and, and not really taking responsibility Um, It's usually because we're trying to protect an old wound that needs healing. Totally. I so agree. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many like anecdotes I can share about this and even like having to come to terms like with my mom being a narcissist. Oh my God. I just said that out loud. (laughs) I never say it. But I see how she's triggered and I see how like she deeply doesn't want to admit her faults because she doesn't want to feel worthless. Yeah. And it's so hard because you can't force, you can only work on yourself. You can't force someone else to change. They have to, you know, really be willing to look in the mirror and heal that. And if they don't see that or they don't want to see that, then they're just going to be how they're going to be. Right. And even if they do quote unquote, fix it for you or address it for you, it may not be, it may be really just, you know, glossing over on the surface. It may not actually be, you know, dealing with it. And it doesn't always necessarily mean that you have to go, you know, find a therapist and dig into all the deep, dark, nastiness of your past because I, you know, I found through my, the journey that I've been on for the last year, since I hired a coach for the first time, you know, it isn't always necessarily the details of the past that are important. And when we spend too much time looking at all those, Mm -hmm. sometimes we, we're hurting ourselves more than we're helping. Yeah. Hmm. On that topic, is there any any like reoccurring? I like to look at things in themes, kind of. Yeah. Are there any reoccurring themes and struggles that kind of kept like coming back to you, and until you were able to like really learn them, like kind of the universe kind of keep keeps presenting you with the same obstacles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the most important one is um, kind of what we've already been talking about in my, my self-worth and the people um, and situations that I try to, uh, fix or, you know, give them their happiness or, you know, make myself indispensable. If I do all of these things for them, or if I'm this person or, you know, then 
then I can, I can make them happy. And then, and then I can feel good about myself. And, you know, I am really worthy of love because I've done all these things for other people. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest one for me that just keeps coming up and keeps coming up. And, and I didn't even really realize that I don't think until recently, but looking back, I can definitely see the pattern through, um, previous relationships, I didn't even realize that that's, that that was what I was doing. And even after I left the physically abusive relationship, I definitely put myself in some emotionally abusive relationships afterwards, because that can be so much more. It's easier for us to accept Mm -hmm. when we don't really believe in ourselves. And it's also really can just be so much more damaging than than physical abuse totally and it's such it's such like a blurred line that sometimes we don't even know how to recognize it or we kind of flip in like the polar opposite where we're kind of always on guard and we're like you know constantly questioning like is that was this okay like is it okay to speak to me this way and you kind of talk yourself out of it because you naturally like I think when you're someone who's been like abused in whichever form that is, you don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't trust yourself or your reality. So you always think the other person is right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of that, that, that cycle of abuse though. And the way that your abuser can stay in power is they make you believe that you're the one with the problem, that it's you and so you're so unsure about about what is and isn't okay and and am I crazy or you know are they doing that because they love me or because they're trying to manipulate me and it's really hard to it's really hard to see until you remove yourself um from the situation and really give yourself give yourself that love and acceptance and compassion that you so easily give to, to other people. I mean, even the person that abuses you, you make every excuse for them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and why they did it. And you give them so much compassion, but we don't, we're so quick to do that for other people, but not, not for ourselves. Totally. I said this to Michaela, but I feel like I have to say it again. <laughs> um, I, 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 so I used to, I had this ex from like, this is like a decade ago, literally. And he was a narcissist. I didn't realize he was until literally like a month ago when someone told me, like described the behaviors. And I was like, Oh my God. And this person coincidentally came back into my life because they're from Paris. And now that I'm like fully detached, it's like a decade later. Mm -hmm. I see in those first interactions of how he speaks to me and it's like sometimes he'll be like super nice and it's like, oh my God, you're perfect. And then like a few days later, it's like they're the biggest asshole ever. And I see now that like that's a manipulation. I couldn't see that a decade ago, but I see that now what he's doing. And, and so that's where you, you're like, oh, but they're so nice. They're so perfect. So then you excuse the bad behavior. Right. So it's been like, it has been really eye-opening how that all kind of like resurfaced and then to like randomly cross paths with this person in like the biggest city of Paris. Like it, 
it was like the universe was like kind of testing you like, okay, Brittany, are you strong enough to not get pulled into this again? Yeah. And, um, have you ever had that situation where you recognized falling into that trap, but been able to save yourself? Um, yeah, I found myself recently having to take a step back and detach, um, relax a little bit on trying to make things easier for my family members, you know, for my, for my husband, I was trying to, you know, if I knew something that he had a long day and something had happened with one of the kids and I knew it was going to piss him off, I wouldn't necessarily talk to him about it right away. Mm. Um, And that wasn't doing him any favors. (laughs) It wasn't fair for me to be able to, um, it wasn't fair for me to try to censor, to try to censor life for him, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's not necessarily even going to react in the way that I think that he might. Um, that was just really crappy of me. And I didn't even realize how really crappy, um, it was, but that, you know, it's up to him. It's up to him how he's going to react and what he's going to do. And when I do that in my efforts to try to protect somebody, Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually, robbing them and getting in the way of the universe's lessons that they might have for them. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That was a hard one for me. It's <laughs> a really hard one. I catch myself doing that all the time. Like, okay, you don't need to <laughs> just take a deep breath, spit it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely can recognize, I don't know if this is like codependent behavior, but I recognize like I'll try and accommodate other people, like just make it easier for them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're putting yourself out in order to do that and you're bending over backwards, you might be doing a little too much. Yeah. So I'm just like very cautious now. Like, I mean, I do that in my relationship sometimes, like, you kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells and yeah, you're just trying to like accommodate their feelings and like what their mood is. And it's like, sometimes you just have to like be yourself and say what you got to say and, and just know that you're not responsible for how that person reacts or responds. Right. You're not. And then there's also, you know, being, being graceful and being loving and, you know, it's all, I think the most important thing is the energy that you, that you bring with you when you have those, those conversations. Cause it isn't always the right, you know, it is important to wait for the right moment to talk about things like in the middle of something crazy and chaotic going on. It's not the time to bring up something serious that needs to be discussed. Mm. Um, yeah. But your, your energy, I think is really, really like the most, the most important time and it's okay to say you know I need a minute and take a second and 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 center yourself or even something that I found that can be really helpful if I'm having a hard time getting something out that I know that I need to express 
I will just write it down, write it down, send an email, (laughs) give a handwritten note. um, Because then that way my, my ego is removed from it. I've written it down. Okay. Now it's out there and they can do whatever they want to with that. I don't need to, it doesn't need to turn into a, to a back and forth thing, you know? And it, yeah, totally. And I think our energy definitely can make or break a conversation, just how you approach it. I've noticed that even in the past like year, as I've been doing a lot of like grounding work and energy work, and I know now the state, you know, whatever state I'm in, that energy I'm bringing to someone, like I'm learning how important it is to be responsible for your mm-hmm. energy. And I, I test it. Like I, I, I'm aware now, like if I'm in a bad mood and I'm having a conversation, like I know it's going to go the wrong way. Right. (laughs) And if I'm in a great mood and I'm like, I'm, I'm the master of my energy and I'm in control, in control, but like not attached. Like I can let go whatever the outcome's going to be. Yeah. So is this something that you're going to be incorporating in the business that you're working on creating? I know you're doing a lot of blogging about some of these topics that we've touched on, but do you think that you will focus in and around like women's empowerment or self-love? Definitely. Definitely. I know for me, that was the most important part of all of this inner work and all of this growth that has happened. And I know that if I didn't love myself, I wouldn't have seen the shifts that I've seen and my life wouldn't feel so totally amazing and different than it did a year ago when I just was being a jerk to myself. And it's a constant, constant, constant um, thing that I'm going through and and learning. And self-love is this word that we hear so much now, mm-hmm. you know, which is good. It's good that that's something that is being talked about, but it's really self-love isn't, you know, blowing off your responsibilities and eating chocolate and taking a bubble bath. Like yeah. <laughs> that, that can be, that can be nice, but it's the, the inner part of that I think is the most important. And I know that for me having someone who could, help be a mirror for me and could kind of hold my hand and guide me and had personal experience uh, and had found a way to break free from that was, was huge for me. I would not be the person that I am now and in the position that I'm in now um, without that, without that help. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to, to do that same thing for for others because it's amazing to, to see somebody really fall in love with themselves. Mm -hmm. What would you say? And if you're still in this process, I mean, feel free to just be very transparent about this, but what was either the story about yourself or the thing that you had to let go of in order to step into who you're becoming today? I know that's a very difficult, like deep question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I think the most important thing that I, I have to let go of is that the stories that I tell about myself to myself, you know, my, I am not my past. I am not the person that I was back then. I am none of, none of the things that I have done define me. They inform me for sure. Um, but none of that defines me. And also I'm not defined by the future and where I see myself and the goals that I've set for self myself hitting those goals, you know, is, will be great. But if I don't, that's not the end. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's still okay. The most important thing that I can, can do and to be is I need to let go of all of that stuff. Like this moment right now, the one that we're in, that's the only one that we really have. Mm-hmm. Everything else is an illusion in your head. And if we stay stuck living, living in the past or living for the future, then we rob ourselves of this moment right now. Mm. That is so beautifully said. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you're still working on your website, but is there, like, where can we learn more about you? Where can we find you online? Um, you can find me through my uh, Facebook page. Um, that's just under Beth Joy. Uh, Facebook.com slash B, the letter B, mm-hmm. B Joy. Um, and I also have my blog is live. And that blog is BethJoyCoaching.blogspot.com. And we will put all those links in the show notes. <laughs> Is there any last thing you'd want to say to the listeners? Um, Speak now or never hold your peace. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would say that no matter where you are right now and no matter where you've been, none of that changes your value. You were born with it. You are lovable. You are beautiful. You are amazing. And you have unique gifts and abilities that need to be expressed in the world. And in order for you to do that and to live into your fullness, you have to let go of your stories and love yourself. That is so well said, and I'm so excited for everything that you're going to be working on in the next coming months. I just think it's so inspiring. So thank you so much for being here and talking with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brand Interrupted Podcast. I so appreciate you and your time. And to show that appreciation, I want to give you a free gift. Head on over to www.untamedrevolution.com forward slash gift 
to get instant access to my free four-part video series all about using the power of story, vulnerability, and resilience to make an impact and grow your business. We'll see you next week on the show. Bisous from Paris. Ciao, ciao.